I'm Sylvia Burgos Tofnes, and this is Deep Roots Radio. Every week, my guests help us connect the dots between what we eat and how it's grown because every single food dollar we spend either protects or degrades the environment, produces foods with high nutrition or empty calories, and either helps pay a fair wage or keeps farm workers among the working poor. We get to make that choice every time we push a cart through the grocery store, visit the farmer's market, and eat at a restaurant. I hope you enjoy this interview. But you know, weather is something that we talk about constantly right. here in the Upper Midwest. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so different from when I grew up in New York City. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I grew up in the middle of the inner city. Um, because I spend a lot of my time in downtown Manhattan, pretty much the sky that you could see was kind of framed by tall buildings. Sure. And weather was, it rained or it didn't. And <laughs> if it rained, uh, it didn't matter what the weather person said the wind direction was going to be, because if you're in the middle of a canyon of high rises, the wind is determined by the heat that hits the buildings. Oh, yeah. Path of least resistance. Yeah, it sweeps up or down. Yeah. It's con- it's totally controlled by them. Hmm. But here, okay, so I've been in the upper Midwest for most of my life now. And it used to surprise me at how much weather came up as a topic of conversation. Yeah. Of course, now that I farm, it's no surprise at all. You're <laughs> always wondering, do I have enough rain? Is uh-huh. there enough heat? And if you're involved with growing uh, a row crop that's either light-dependent or Mm temperature-dependent, you're constantly thinking about it. Right. I mean, do you talk about weather all the time? Oh, yeah. (laughs) More than I should. I have uh, a couple of different weather apps on my phone. And, of course, I bale hay, so I'm always in the summertime wondering when to cut hay and when should I rake hay and... Yeah, that's when I pull out mine, too, because, yeah. uh, you know, we, we have our hay done for us, but it's the the farmer always calls me up and says, okay, do you want it done now? So I'm pulling off my phone right. and say, okay, so do I have five days of dry in front of me mm-hmm. so that this hay can, can dry well before it's baled? Well, you're right. It's it, Weather is, is a constant um, topic of conversations mm-hmm. all across this community and anywhere that, that people put a plow into the ground. And just recently I learned about a network of weather stations that any farmer or gardener or curious person can access that gives you readings of weather information that's continually updated and we have on the line with us this morning, Chris Vygasky, who is the research program manager of an interesting program called WiscoNet out of the University of Wisconsin. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Good morning. It's, uh, it's a lot cooler than it's been in the last few days, so I'm really enjoying it. Yes. Boy, aren't we all taking a nice deep breath, and it was good to sleep last night, too. Okay, Chris. So... Weather stations, a network of weather stations. Can you tell us what WiscoNet is all about? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, if you look around the United States, there 
you know, we're a very, very big country. There's 3,000 plus counties around the United States, 8 million square kilometers. So, I mean, we're a huge country. And you know, there are about 1,100 weather stations that are owned and operated by uh, the National Weather Service, NOAA, the FAA, and they're traditionally at airports. Ah. But you know, that, you know, somebody pulls up their, their phone and they say, hey, I need to know the weather. They're getting the weather from something that's 30, 40, 50 miles away sometimes at the nearest airport. So, you know, Duluth International or the Madison Airport, Milwaukee International, something like that. And that's not always really representative of what the weather is doing in your backyard. Weather changes on very small scales. And so universities around the country have put out what are called mesonets. And a mesonet is just a medium-scale weather network around a state. And for the longest time, Wisconsin hasn't had one of those. Um, so we've been doing some work, and we received funding from the U.S. Department of Agriculture's uh, Institute and from the Wisconsin Alumni Research Foundation to build a weather station network across Wisconsin. And over the next few years, we will be building out a network of weather stations that will number somewhere between 90 and 100 with at least one weather station in every county of Wisconsin. All right. So a mesonet of weather stations all across our state. That's what Wisconet is. So are there, are there any stations already in place? We have 14 stations right now. Um, we have them all uh, online and, and ready for uh, people to look at. Um, and we'll be installing another six to nine this year. So by the end of 2023, we'll have uh, between 20 and 23 weather stations across the state. And that data is all available uh, through our website as well. Okay, so where, in what counties are you putting the new stations? Um, so right now we have uh, stations planned for uh, Dane County, Sauk County, uh, Clark County. Uh, we just uh, started to get an indication that we may have one for Jefferson County as well. Um, and then uh, up near Rhineland, we'll be putting another one too. Wow. Okay. So, Chris, what does a weather station look like? I mean, what kind of equipment does it has have? What kind of data does it kind of gather? Yeah, we are collecting a lot of data. Every five minutes, we are collecting more than 12 different pieces of weather and environmental data. Um, so, at each station that we're installing... Uh, there's a tripod that's about 10 feet tall, and up at the very top of that tripod uh, is an anemometer so that we can measure the wind speed and direction and the wind gust so we know exactly how strong the wind is that, that's blowing. And then other traditional weather instrumentation as well, so a temperature and humidity sensor so you know exactly how hot and humid it gets on those, those really nasty days like earlier this week. 
a rain gauge so we know exactly how much precipitation is falling, and a barometer so we know if high pressure is moving in or low pressure is moving in, things that really help to improve forecasting. Um, Additionally, we will be measuring the amount of solar radiation that's coming in so we know how much sun is reaching the Earth. Um, A leaf wetness sensor, which is a really interesting uh, sensor that it's shaped just like a leaf, and as water or humidity accumulates on that sensor, we know if uh, plants' leaves in the area are wet or dry. And then really critical, especially for this year, are the soil moisture and soil temperature sensors that we are installing. Now, we went from a very, very wet winter and spring to a very, very dry summer, and we've seen extreme drought spreading across the state. So having soil moisture and temperature readings from just below the surface all the way down to about 40 inches below the surface, that will help us to really understand how the, the water is moving through our soils. Wow. To 40 inches below. So that kind of a reading, is, is that the kind of reading that might help a farmer understand what kind of reserve moisture they've got going into the growing season? It absolutely will. Um, So we have uh, soil moisture and temperature probes that are at uh, 2 inches, 4 inches, 8 inches, 20 and 40 inches. So that goes through the root zone and then even beyond that. Um, So the farmers and the growers will know exactly how much moisture is available to their crops and then what moisture is even further down um, that could be pulled up through the roots. Wow. So, Chris, just out of curiosity, is your background in uh, meteorology? Is it in biology? Are you a, a farm kid? You know, I'm a, I'm a meteorologist who grew up in the Great Lakes. Um, I'm from Michigan originally, and, you know, surrounded by the Great Lakes, the weather is always changing. Um, and, you know, that's what really got me interested in the weather. Um, but over the last 10 years or so, I've been working prior to coming to UW-Madison, working with people around the world, uh, with meteorologists, with government agencies, and others around the world to use weather data better to help them make better decisions, keep people safe, and have their operations be more safe and efficient. Uh, You know, that's an interesting thing that you brought up because even in the last two to three years, one of the things that I... Uh, recall hearing when I listened to um, weather forecasters talk about upcoming weather, whether it's short-term or long-term, is that they sometimes say, well, using the American model of forecasting or using the European model, and very often they've been saying the European is, is more accurate than the American. Is that something that is also feeds your thinking? You know, the data that we will be providing will be available to go into these weather models. Um, So the challenge with weather forecasting is it's called an an initial value problem. Um, It's a a big, you know, kind of a, a term that just means we don't know the exact conditions at every point on the planet. So it's hard for us to make a forecast because we don't have all of the information. Having these additional 90 weather stations or 100 weather stations 
gives us that many more data points to put into the weather models, which will improve them, whether it's the models that NOAA runs here in the United States or the models that are run internationally. You're collecting all this data and you're doing it every five minutes, which I, you know, to me, that's just like mind blowing to be gathering that much. Where is all of that data then being housed? Yeah, so we have a cloud platform um, that the data feeds from the weather station into uh, the, the cloud. And then we pull the data and display that on our website at wisconet.wisc.edu um, so that as the data updates, you can pull up a map or you can pull up the station page and see exactly what the latest temperature is or how windy it is or is the sun out or not. When you think about placing your weather stations, because you're talking about something that's, you know, 10 feet tall, I suspect it's got a little bit of a, of a wide footprint, uh, especially if you're doing temperature probes. What is um, the ideal place to put something? What are you looking for in the way of um, the hosting field or the hosting spot? Yeah, it, you know, there are a lot of different ways that you can decide to site a weather station. Um, but what we really look for is something that is representative of the area that we're in. So, if, you know, if we're in a forested area, uh, it needs to be representative of having trees around. Or if we're in a, a an agricultural farming type area, uh, open fields and, and rolling hills and, and things like that. But you know, what we are looking for is uh, an area that, has clearance around it. So, you know, as you did say, the, the tower is about 10 feet tall, um, and we have about a 15 by 15 footprint that these weather stations sit on. Um, but we don't want to be too close to the trees so that uh, the wind measurements get affected or that the temperature measurements get shaded. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want to be right next to a, a highway or a dirt road because that can affect the temperature measurements by radiating off additional heat. Um, so, you know, before we install a weather station, we do a survey where um, myself and our instrumentation engineer come out and we look at the areas uh, where we're considering installing the weather station so that we know that we're far enough away from a building, a tree, a road, um, so that we know exactly how deep we'll be able to install the, the soil sensors because the bedrock depths can be at different uh, depths. So it, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into this. We're being very uh, rigorous and, and focused on citing these properly so that we're providing the best data for the growers and for the people of Wisconsin. Are you still looking for possible sites? I mean, is this something where a, a farmer uh, can actually contact you and say, hey, why don't you consider my field? Yes, we, we are. Um, you know, we have about 75 locations that we need to find over the next uh, two to three years. And there's a lot of Wisconsin that we have to cover. So um, I've been doing uh, what I've been calling Google Earth drive-bys. Um, and road trips to just kind of see what is around in, in Wisconsin to identify potential site locations. But certainly if there are people that are interested and they have 
a nice open area where we could put in a weather station, they can feel free to reach out to me uh, at, at my email address, at wisc.edu, and we can provide all that information. Uh, but you know, one thing that we do want to remind people of is that Mesonets are a long-lasting program, and we're looking to put a weather station in and maybe have it there for 30, 40, 50 years to get long-term weather information. So um, it's not necessarily something to consider lightly because this would be in, in place for a long time. Um, but certainly if there are people interested, uh, we're more than, than willing to talk to people about hosting sites because you know it is a big state, bigger than about 100 to 110 countries around the world. So we have a lot of ground to cover. Well, that's good to know. And one of the things that I'll do, too, is I'll make sure that it's on my website and we put it out um, so that people can get back to you should they be interested. So you're, you're, you're operating this, and how long has the program been around? We received our funding at the beginning of this year, so we're very, very new. Um, there are four of us that are working on the WiscoNet program, uh, a faculty director at the University of Wisconsin, Chris Kacharak, myself, uh, David Henry, who's our web developer, and then Caitlin Winkus, who uh, is our instrumentation engineer, who grew up on a, a farm in southwestern Wisconsin. Mm. All right. So, very new. Have you come across any kind of uh, interesting uh, either aha moments or surprises thus far? Yeah, it's it's been a you know a nice return to the Midwest for me. I spent the last you know eight and a half years out in uh, Colorado, and unfortunately, it seems that I brought the Colorado weather with me when I came back here. Uh, but uh, you know, we've had a, a great time visiting our our fourteen stations so far and getting them upgraded and moved over onto our platform. And it was really interesting being in the Door Peninsula uh, about a week, a week and a half ago, and seeing the Niagara Escarpment, which, you know, is the bedrock that, that forms the uh, Door Peninsula as we were digging to install the soil sensors and seeing exactly how deep we could get. And in some places where there are cherry and apple trees growing, you can only get down to a foot before you hit the bedrock. And then in other places, you can get down to 40 inches or more. So you know, we're really learning a lot about the, the state. And what we're actually kind of doing is validating some of the soil maps that have been trusted for 30 to 40 years uh, since the last time they were updated. Um, so we're not just helping understand the weather and climate of Wisconsin, but we're actually learning a little bit more about the geology as well. Mm. Well, that's really interesting. You know, so Dave Corbett, you've been in, you've been a farmer for decades, and now you're you're growing hay and harvesting hay, as well as your grass fed beef. What what kind of questions or what kind of thoughts come to your mind? Well, I just wanted to uh, make sure I understand. This is not a weather forecasting thing. It's a data collection, correct? That's correct. We are collecting the data that could then be used for weather forecasting, um, but we are providing uh, and providing that data to run uh, growing models. So the growing degree days or mm. uh, pest 
and disease models for plants. Um, so there are fungal diseases and pests that affect uh, the vineyards in Wisconsin and the cherry and apple growers, um, the potato growers. So uh, we're available, uh, we're providing data that is available for those sorts of applications, those sorts of disease and, and pest forecasts. Mm-hmm. How, uh, uh, how long do you think it's going to take you to get, or do you have an idea of how long it's going to take to get the, all of them in place? Our it? goal is to install uh, about 20 to 25 stations per year. Um, we'll get about uh, six to ten this year, and then uh, twenty to twenty-five over the next two to three years to get us to that ninety to one hundred stations. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, a a little bit of a, a long period, but it actually goes a lot faster than you would anticipate. Mm-hmm. So. You know, you've got all this, these, you know, you've got this tower, you've got um, varying kinds of equipment out there in the elements every single day of the year. What do you anticipate to be the wear and tear on this equipment? You know, we have uh, stainless steel towers, stainless steel hardware on all of them. So they will be very weather resistant. The enclosure for our data logger and our uh, cellular modem and things like that uh, is made out of fiberglass, so it's, it's very resistant. Um, we we know that the weather in Wisconsin and uh, the blowing dust and the wildfire smoke that we've been experiencing this year can have big impacts on not just the people of Wisconsin or the animals and uh, plants of Wisconsin, but you know the structures that are out there. So we have worked to make sure that everything that we are putting out there is going to be rugged and is going to last. Mm. Okay. You know, Dave uh, asked about forecasting and you mentioned that this will actually pour it, pour the data into <clears throat> those systems others might use for forecasting. But what about the, 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 the um, data that's there? I know that you say it's updated every five minutes, which is amazing to me. Um, but can you go back in time and get data? Yes, and we will provide uh, a historical database for all of our stations. Uh, two stations that we have right now at uh, the Arlington and Hancock Research Stations run by the University of Wisconsin have data going back to about 1985. Um, mm-hmm. So we do have a nice historical database. And as uh, we continue to collect data, that a database will continue to grow. All right, that's good. Okay, so, so I actually went into the database this morning uh, before coming to the show and took a look at the readings from Spooner that you've got there, uh, which is about an hour north of uh, the Amory area. And I could see that WiscoNet provides readings in different kinds of increments. So you can do a fi- you can take a look at five-minute readings, hourly readings, and daily readings. And then you can mark off, well, this is the reading that I want. Oh, maximum, minimum temperature. This is what I want to look at in the way of uh, the dew point and relative humidity. I mean, you've got a whole list of things that people can actually choose from. Um, and, they, and those 
those attributes, those features, uh, the measurements vary depending on which of these categories you go into, the, the five minute or the hourly or the daily. And I was surprised at how easy this thing was to use. Um, I just had wanted temperature readings, maximum and minimums, um, for just a few days. And it just came right back up. It was really, really simple to use and fast. And the results, really easy to read. Yes, we, we have worked very hard over the, the last four to five months to build a website that displays the data that people are going to want and makes it easy to use. Uh, we've all experienced those cases where we just want a piece of information, we try and find it, and you can't. So that has been our focus. What do the people that visit our website want? What do they need? And how can we get that data to them? David, our web developer and our programmer, he will be working with the growers and other users of the WiscoNet website to continue to make sure that it works for them. Uh, as he always likes to say, he does not have a job if he doesn't have users. Uh, so he's really working to make sure that he's providing what the users want. Terrific. Yeah, that whole um, user interface where people actually go to a website in order to use it is so critical because <laughs> if you don't put it in a, in a form that people can quickly understand and use, it's kind of worthless. Um, one, of the, one of the fun things that uh, I discovered when I took a look at the, your website this morning is I wanted to know what that relative humidity was during these most awful days. And it was interesting to come, I mean, it just pops right back up, pops, pops up at you so that you could see, yes, I was feeling absolutely horrible because the relative humidity was 97%. You know, it, it kind of reinforced <laughs> just it, how it, bad it, I was feeling. Know, one of the, the really fun things about the weather is you can very easily correlate the readings that you see with how you feel or the readings that you see with how your plants are doing. And you begin to learn by watching the data, oh, it's this kind of weather. I need to do this with my, my crops or it's doing this with the weather. I need to bring my cows in or I need to give them more water. Um, so we really do hope that the people of Wisconsin look at our data and start to learn how they can make better decisions based on the conditions that they're seeing from their nearby station. You know, and I think this becomes even more critical as more of us uh, live our lives in air-conditioned space. So we're not necessarily out in the field all the time or standing next to the cattle all the time, um, judging how they feel. Although, you know, most, of, most farmers will be out there a lot. Um, but it really does help you get a, a better reading of what's going on. It, it does. And especially for the, the cattle farmers, one thing that, that I am... Uh, looking at and that we're looking at incorporating is what's called the cattle comfort index. So it combines the, the temperature and the humidity, the winds and the solar radiation to let you know, is the weather too hot or too cold, or is it just right for 
uh, the cows. Um, so that is something that we're looking at, as, as Wisconsin is a very important dairy state. So, Chris, um, can you, this is kind of a mechanics question. Can you remotely measure snow? Or how do how do you or is do you just measure the moisture content or? Yeah, you know, we will be measuring the the liquid equivalent. So as the snow melts, we'll measure the liquid that was in that snow. Um, some other mesonets, um, the New York mesonet, for instance, has uh, what is called a snow radar. So it can measure the the depth of the snow um, from a sensor that's on their uh, their weather station. Um, that may be something eventually that we look into providing, um, but at least right now we're providing the, the liquid water equivalent. Mm. So just to be clear again, Chris, WiscoNet is something that is available for free to um, any user, farmer, gardener, uh, public person. Absolutely. You know, we are making these weather stations readily available to help make better decisions and inform better decisions across the state. All right. Um, so, so there is no, no charge for the data. Thank you. So where do people go in order to tap into, <clears throat> excuse me, the data that's collected on WiscoNet? The data is available at our website, WiscoNet, W-I-S-C-O-N-E-T dot WISC dot E-D-U. Okay. And that WISC is dot w i s c dot e d u right give your uh uh email too you said if people were thought they might have a spot for one they could email you yes my email address if you want to reach out is vagaski v is in victor a g a s k y at whisk w i s c dot e d u Visit my website, bronxtobarn.com, to download this and past interviews, to learn about my farm, and to reserve 100% grass-fed beef. We deliver to Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minnesota. Thanks.